ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we buy shit we don't need. Ideas are grateful. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Doug Bertram, welcome to the Biohacking Secret Show. Thanks for having me. I'm pumped to talk about helping our listeners to achieve their uh, peak potential. But before we kind of dive into a lot of the, the fun stuff and the nitty gritty and the fascia talk and the link between fascia and our broken insurance system, it may or may not be directly related. <laughs> I can link them. Is it necessarily causation? Maybe you could give us a little bit of your background and, uh, and, and how you got into this. Yeah, well, I like to focus on not necessarily uh, the linear progression, but kind of in the order of uh, of, of importance and most influential. And as a as, as a kid, I broke my arm and uh, thought my, my my surgeon sucked and and had really bad bedside. And and I lived to play soccer, and he told me that I probably would never be a goalkeeper ever again in my life. And as a fourteen year old that like lived for the sport, I found that unacceptable. And uh, I shortly thereafter worked with a therapist who got me back to being starting goalkeeper the next season. And so, you know, from early on, I kind of bought in on a key thing is that the body has an incredible ability to heal given the right set of circumstances. And, and so I went on to become a manual therapist and, and studied a lot of myofascial work and worked clinically for a long time as a body worker. And then I got super interested in, in Chinese medicine and systems theory and, and uh, went to school for Chinese medicine out in California, and and then now I uh, own a practice and, and and have a few locations in in Maryland, and and uh, yeah, it just keeps keeps growing and evolving. Awesome. So what what would you say were some of the key uh, differences in outlook between that physician who was performing the surgery on your, I believe it was a broken arm, and the therapist? helped you get back on the field like how, yeah. what were the how would you con- compare and contrast the way that they saw healing and so you know their whole I, I approach think it, to it boils down to a very fundamental difference that i think you see you know in different types of medicine but ultimately the <clears throat> the doctor was limited by he didn't know how to fix me better right but he was taking responsibility for the fixing the therapist believed on the power of my body to heal itself. And I think that that was the difference is the therapist said, you know, the body can heal itself. The body can do anything that, you know, that you set it up correctly to do. And the doctor should have said, I did my best, but I don't know if it was enough and had the humility and the ego to, to say that or said, I've done what I can do here. Now your work begins and you have to, you know, trust that your body is going to, you know, to take care of the rest. But I think that that's the big difference is, is believing in the ability for the body to heal itself. Gotcha. Okay, cool. And then we're going to give a little bit of background and context to like what fascia is and myofascial mm-hmm. release just for the listeners that aren't familiar. But I want to go more, more 30,000 foot view for a second because Traditional Chinese medicine for a long time has brought awareness to the electrical nature of of our bodies and sure. how that electricity is correlated with things like qi or qi, however you want to pronounce it, and, and that our electrical status or redox potential very much influences our hormonal health, our body's ability to recover, our athletic performance, etc. And then you kind of look at the other extreme from, from that perspective, which many people today share, especially in like allopathic medicine, which is like that we're kind of this blob of chemis- chemical reactions and and rather than this, this integrated electrical uh, point of view, it's almost like a fragmented biochemical point of view. And electricity is very much, I think, ignored or, or not, you know, not known about. Yeah. How, well, how would where's your perspective at on those two? Cause you know, no, I, I think this sides. is like, 
Yeah, it's a big old can of worms, but I'm ready to dive into it, man. Uh, so, um, yes, yeah, so 100% <laughs> Chinese medicine talks about chi and talks about life force and, you know, which we've come to, you know, try to wrap our heads around us as being some sort of electric current or, or pulse that, that moves through the body. And, and, um, and, but, but to contrast that by saying a chemical blob that is different, uh, chemical reactions happen through electronic charge, right? I mean, covalent bond and how things move in and out of a cell. I mean, we're basically, you know, like computers are ones and zeros, right? We basically mm-hmm. have negative and positive electrons. That's, that's what we have, right? And everything can be boiled down to those two things. Are we expressing with a positive or a negative, you know, uh, electronic charge? And in Chinese medicine, they call this the yin and the yang, right? So there has to be some sort of, of uh, negative and positive polarity in order to manifest all, all that there is. Um, where I feel like things really get disconnected in language is when you start talking about life force and chi and some of these things that we don't really contextualize with Western medicine or the Western brain. I didn't either. I'm from Wisconsin, right? I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, like a Midwest kid that likes to be able to see stuff, you know, touch it, feel it. And, and I, you know, I've spent a lot of money for, <laughs> you know, spending a lot of money for uh, my education. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, I understand life force, but what is it? Right. But like, right. oh, you know, there's Wei Chi and there's Gu Chi and there's Kidney Zhang Chi and there's Yin Chi and there's, okay, but like, what is it? Right. And so <laughs> being somebody that electricity, to to, does electricity work? <laughs> yeah. I, touch it, feel it, experience it, manipulate it. You know, somebody that wanted to be able to basically, yeah. it became apparent to me two things. One is that the meridians that this Chi is supposed to travel along, it became very clear that these are fossil planes that this is the same pathway of uninterrupted connective tissue membranes that travel through the body. It also became apparent to me that this tissue has the ability to bidirectional signal with the entirety of itself. So this tissue can receive input and information, and this tissue can also signal what's going on at, you know, your fingertips with what's going on in your brain and, and with your heart and everything else. So these aren't so it's different like a transmitter things. and a receiver. That's it. It's a transmitter and a receiver. Okay. And it's, it's communicating zeros and ones. It's communicating yeses and nos. And, and ultimately it's communicating I'm safe or I'm not safe. Right. And, mm-hmm. and when it's communicating not safe, it signals our nervous system to generate a stress, a stress response. And when it's communicating, I'm safe, it downregulates our stress response. It's like pretty basic. Okay. And so I look at the Mm -hmm. chi as being a system of communication within our body. Right. And when we have good communication, we have good health and balance. When we have bad communication, we have bad health and imbalance. And so disease states, you know, cancers and things like that, it's where that tissue stops communicating with the rest of the body and it says, screw you, I'm going off on my own and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do my own thing over here, right? Or infections, they wall themselves off and all of a sudden the immune system is no longer, you know, communicating with that part of the body. So when you look at it as Mm -hmm. balancing a system of communication, right, cell phone coverage everywhere, right, no no dark spots within the body, and you have the ability to have a signal and to communicate, now you have a system where we can really, you know, get to work. Hey, guys, real quick. If you are a business owner and you're relying on stimulants, Adderall, Modafinil, Ritalin, caffeine, to make it through the day, here's what you need to know. Relying on stimulants is the number one cause of burnout and fatigue for entrepreneurs. Basically, you can't drive in the left lane at 90 miles an hour without filling your tank up. And in this short explanation, I'm going to kind of break down how you can achieve limitless energy without burning yourself out. Now, here's the thing. Before we dive into the how, you need to first know that 42% of entrepreneurs said that they've experienced burnout in the last month. And what I'm here to do is not only remove your chance of burnout, but turn you into an energy producing machine. 
all day long from the moment your feet hit the floor to when you crush your work day to coming home to playing with the kids. We're talking about having limitless energy that does not quit. I've worked with Russell Brunson, who built ClickFunnels into a billion dollar business. Duncan Keith, who's a three-time Stanley Cup winner in the NHL, two-time Olympic gold medalists, and a bunch of other entrepreneurs, men and women like you, who are balancing businesses and family and their health and needed help either getting off of stimulants or bringing their body and nervous system back into balance so that they didn't burn out while trying to manage all of these things simultaneously. Now, here's the thing. In each one of these cases, whether we're talking about Russell Brunson or Duncan Keith or Marty, who just joined recently because he needed 60 milligrams of Adderall just to get out of bed and had a whole business and team of people relying on him. The approach that I take is different because there is no one size fits all approach. That's why some people get results with keto and others don't. It's simply not customized and therefore only works for a subset of the population. So because you're different, your lifestyle is different, your habits are different, your preferences are different, your day-to-day routine is different, it puts your body in a state that needs different methods of recovery and personalization. So for that reason, I'm giving away a free biohacking assessment with myself or someone from my team so we can figure out exactly what you need and customize a step-by-step plan to get you off the stimulants and get you feeling more energetic and more alive than ever. So to book your free biohacking assessment, go to www.biohackercoaching.com fill out the short form, grab a time that works with your calendar. That's www.biohackercoaching.com and grab a time for us to talk. Back to the episode. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so that's beautiful context for the next layer deeper, which is... You, you mentioned a little bit about the fascia sort of being like a, 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 a transmitter and a receiver, right? These are the paths, um, if, if to put it in other words, that electrical current and voltage travels throughout our body when our body's in like a healthy state, meaning we're um, a, like, a, like a good redox potential. We have a lot of negatively charged electrons. And similarly, if we have a lot of positive charge to our body, we're typically like inflamed and we need to connect with the earth and find ways you know, jumping in natural streams, taking a uh, Epsom salt bath, et cetera, to dispel that charge and return our body's voltage to a healthy biocompatible level. So you've given a little bit of context on what fascia is and, and why it's so important. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on what is myofascial release, why it's such an important part of the, the practices that you teach and help clients with for achieving their body's peak potential. Yeah. So I think what's helpful to create context is if we adopt two terms, one is, is fascia and the other is the fascial system. Okay. Cause when we just talk about fascia as a term, there's a, a number of different types of fascia and some layers of fascia are extremely dense and don't really move much. And they're, they're, they're pretty solid, like in our low back and at the nape of our neck and our IT band, um, our Achilles tendon, right? Those fascial planes, the plantar fascia in the bottom of the foot, these are real dense, you know, uh, tissues that you're going to be hard pressed to stretch, right? Some people say that, you know, these collagen fibrils have the tensile strength of steel. So when you're really talking about manipulating this fascia in terms of lengthening the fascia itself, um, you get a lot of skeptics saying this, you know, BS, this tissue, you know, can't, can't lengthen with a ball or with a roller or anything like that. Okay. But then you have subcutaneal fascia and you also have fascia that's right beneath that fascia. Okay. Of, of those dense fascias that are much more of a liquid. And, and collagen fibrils, they have 27 different types of collagen fibrils. And the body determines what type of collagen it's going to produce and how dense that fascia is based on the function. How much stress is it under and what sort of load does it have to support? So the fascia that we have that surround our internal organs, for instance, is very soft, very pliable, and very, very liquidy, right? It's a lubricant. 
And the fascia that we have between one muscle and its neighbor should also provide lubrication so that muscle can glide past its neighbor and, and not really get involved. Um, if you take an orange and you cut the orange in half, all those little white lines that separate out the, you know, the pieces of orange that you can peel, that would be similar to like fascia that's on an in intramuscular septa that separates one muscle from the neighbor. But each, you know, little thing of pulp in the orange is also surrounded by another little membrane, right? And those little membranes, you know, uh, surround our, you know, muscle fibers themselves, you know, each individual fiber. And then it kind of comes together at the end to all form, you know, tendons. And that tendon, you know, if you've ever like, you know, been butchering meat or anything like that, you know, it's like you have these different membranes. And, and in Chinese medicine, kind of tying it back into Chinese medicine is when we start to look at the, the fascial system, how all of this system works together to provide function. And that's when you get into more the immune uh, signaling that happens with fascia. You have neurosignaling that happens uh, bidirectional with fascia, and you have mechanical uh, signaling that happens bidirectionally with fascia. And what's fascinating is if you have a neural signal from your autonomic nervous system that tells fascia we're not safe, that fascia is going to stiffen and it's going to prepare for fight or flight. If you tell that fascia that, you know, hey, everything's good, it's gravy, we're relaxed, everything is, is calm, that fascia is going to start to relax and loosen, right? So, you know, you also have the, the bottom-up approach that if you have an overuse injury and that fascia has become inflamed and irritated, it's also going to signal to the brain and to the central nervous system that, hey, we have a problem over here. Right. Send resources, send help, which is going to be what helps, you know, turn on the whole, uh, you know, inflammatory process and then start to dump cytokines into the area and, and, and you know, get get uh, molecules associated with, you know, immune response and stuff mobilized. Um, so those those two different terms, you know, when we're looking at fascia, it's like there's a bunch of different types of fascia, but we're looking at the fascia system. It's how all of those types fit together to create this intelligence system that, that I think has a direct overlay with Chinese medicine, even though that's not how we're taught in school. I a hundred percent agree. And I also think that our, the, the status of, of electrolytes, our sodium balance, the amount of, of collagen in our body all influences the 100%. communication between our fascia. Almost yep. like if you, if you think of it like, of like fiber optic cables, right? The light travels faster when we have enough sodium, magnesium, potassium, totally. uh, collagen. And I mean, I've had an experience twice now with, with Lyme disease, which, you know, on paper is a collagen consuming bacteria yeah, produces yeah. some of these biofilms. Right. Oh, you have as well. Yeah, I five soccer, soccer and Lyme <laughs> bros. And, uh, and, and so it, it's, it's, brought to my awareness the importance of these things and, and and also helped me to become aware of how vital having good electrical flow and and a, a lot of like negative charge from the sun and the earth and all this movements and you know your thoughts and your emotions how, how critical that is i think where a lot of people struggle are it, it's it, how do we send signals to our nervous system that let our nervous system know everything is okay, especially yeah. when so many people are waking up tight and tense and sore and in pain and that, you know, they want to start moving again and getting more physically active, but then they're getting injured and, you know, totally. having joint well, ligaments and, and connective tissues. Right. So what are some I mean, strategies there? What an alley-oop for me, man, because that's the bio, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, that's the biohack is starting mm -hmm. to learn awareness of when we are holding tension and stress in our bodies. And once we are aware, we have to learn the tools. And once we have the tools, we need to apply the tools, right? And so mm -hmm. stress doesn't discriminate. We have a bunch of different types of stress. We have situational stress, emotional stress. We have chemical stress. We have, mm -hmm. you know, stress from viruses and bacteria, 
We have mechanical stress from, you know, working out, you know, we have financial stress. It doesn't discriminate. It affects, it all affects the body the same way because the mechanisms of how the body react to stress are very similar, right? They call it like the, the HPA access. So you have the, you know, the, um, basically, uh, you know, from your, uh, hippocampus and your pituitary and your adrenal cortex is, is your, your primary, you know, response uh, team for any time that, that we have a stress impulse. And all of that is going to create a certain physiologic signaling throughout the body to prepare for fight or flight. And, mm -hmm. and that's done all through the, the um, autonomic nervous system, right, which has two mm -hmm. branches, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And anytime that we have a stress stimulus, regardless of what it is, the mechanisms are going to be very similar. And so stress is not a bad thing, right? That let's just, you know, right, right away, let's call it out, right? It's not a four letter word. Stress is a five letter word, right? Stress is not a bad thing. And it's how we get stronger is by stressing our body. It's how we develop immunity. Mm -hmm. It's how we get faster. It's how we get smarter. Okay. It's through stressing the body in a way that the body can recover from and repair. And that's how we get stronger. Okay. Where stress becomes a bad thing is when it becomes chronic and chronic stress starts to put too much strain on these systems. And we get an imbalance where we stop recovering in real time from the stimulus. And so instead of getting stronger, we become weaker and overwhelmed and the weakness and the overwhelm comes from metabolic changes where we get our adrenals start to burn out and they, they, they start running a little hot and we get, you know, adrenal exhaustion and fatigue. We get too much immune signaling where we get, you know, an accumulation of IgE and IgG responses where we can start getting more uh, or less tolerant to environmental allergens or food sensitivities. We can have inflamed tissues because the, the whole macrophage process is not cleaning up dead cells and, and we're, you know, we're mobilizing, you know, all of these, these mast cells to get in there and clean up and it's just inflaming all the tissue. So chronic stress only becomes problematic when we, when we tip the scale, when we're no longer keeping up with the demand of our situation. And, mm -hmm. and that is when it becomes a bad thing. So the biohack is being aware of that mechanism and the biohack mm -hmm. is then learning, okay, we're, we're falling behind here. We need to catch back up. And so how you catch back up is we need to turn the parasympathetic system on and the sympathetic system off and regulating those two things is actually easier than anybody could ever imagine. Okay. But you need to do it in real time and you need to do it often. Right. This isn't this isn't the vacation that you take at the end of a busy semester or at the end of a fiscal year when you've gotten crushed. Right. This is what we do at our desks a hundred times a day. OK. Multiple pounds, times pounds of prevention is a pound of cure. One hundred percent. And so the, the way that the parasympathetic system activates is through the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is most effectively stimulated by exhalation. Okay. Think of when you get scared and startled. Do you ever blow out? Right. Do you ever, somebody jumps out at you and goes, boo. And do you go, no, you go, oh, right. You startle. Mm -hmm. Right. So the mm -hmm. inhale, the startle response, the, oh, that gets the sympathetic nervous system activated. The parasympathetic is what we do when danger is gone. Right. Close mm -hmm. one. I'm out of danger. And that parasympathetic, it can be manipulated. Right where if we take a longer exhale than we take inhale, we are going to get more parasympathetic stimulation than we're getting sympathetic stimulation. So like mm -hmm. a real simple tool is what we call 4-2-6 breathing, where you breathe in for four, you hold for two, and out for six. And all that does is it starts to give more parasympathetic regulation then sympathetic upregulation, and it'll help to downregulate the nervous system. And there's a bunch mm -hmm. of these tools, right? There's a bunch of part of why getting into a cold stream works, part of why getting, you know, putting your feet on the ground, part of why Tai Chi and Qigong and yoga and all of these things work is they connect you with your breath, right? Mm -hmm. They start to 
cultivate an awareness of where you're holding tension in the body, right? Where you're separating from your environment, where you're cut off from communicating with your body. That's the awareness part, right? That's where you're taking inventory. And once you become aware, then you start to apply the right tools at the right times. And that's the biohack where we can start to balance our nervous systems in real time. Yeah, for sure. So I like that increasing the length of the exhale relative to the inhale. So in the example you gave, like a four-second inhale, two-second hold, six-second exhale, and then and then kind of repeating that pattern. And, you know, some of, some of my friends that have started uh, dabbling and practicing different martial arts and that have their origins in traditional Chinese medicine, or at least mm-hmm. evolved alongside traditional Chinese medicine, they'll engage in practices where like they're aiming to get one inhale per minute, you know, while doing other activities, you know, maybe holding a posture and like horse stance and, mm-hmm. you know, lifting up, lifting up their elbows, almost like they're hugging a barrel and then holding that position and then only breathing once per minute to really slow everything down. And then, you know, we see these strategies in the, in the performance world with free divers and, and people that, need to hold their breath for a living where they'll, they'll use apnea training and, mm-hmm. you know, breathe in, hold their breath for a long period of time and then let it go. And, and what I think most people are doing, especially when feeling stressed is, and this is assuming proper biomechanics, which, which many people, you know, don't have, we've got reverse breathing and shallow breathing and all that yeah. there. If, if long story short, if you're breathing with your mouth open, and you're focused on your inhales, your in, meaning your inhales are longer than your exhales, you may be unconsciously sending physiological signals to your brain and nervous system Absolutely. that All day long. there is impending doom around the corner. You got it. Yep. And you're, and you're going to have yeah. higher anxiety. You're going to have weaker digestive system. You're going to have poor circulation. Mm-hmm. You're going to have, you know, uh, compromised absorption of nutrients. You're going to have, you know, less mm-hmm. oxygen to the brain. You're going to have uh, more dilation of the pupils. You're not going to be thinking as uh, on a higher cognitive level because your body is in a stress state. Um, I mean, these things snowball, right? All of the syndromes that we talk about, you know, fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and IBS, and they, they all fall in this camp of metabolic disorders that come from chronic stress. And the mechanisms mm-hmm. of chronic stress is we're stimulating our sympathetic more than the parasympathetic, right? So mm-hmm. it comes down to a pretty simple mechanism. But you 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 kind of glazed over the other can of worms that I was hoping that you that you'd get into here a little bit was which was the biomechanics component to this. Um, let's let's go there. Yeah, because here's the deal: is even if you're using these tools and you become skilled at these tools, your need to use these tools is going to be greatly heightened if you have inefficiencies in the body. Mm-hmm. And let's just take yoga for an example. Yoga is nothing more than twisting your body into funny shapes if it's not a breath practice. Okay? Yoga mm-hmm. should all be all about breathing. And when you start twisting mm-hmm. your body into funny shapes, it should only be about deepening your ability to breathe into different spaces. If you're, if it's not mm-hmm. a practice of breath, you're just, you know, making, making funny shapes with your body and the mm-hmm. biomechanics that matter and why posture matters is the way that the nervous system also regulates is the thoracic spine is where the sympathetic dorsal root ganglia exist. So if your head is forward and you've got poor posture sitting at your desk and you're slumped down, you know, on your device playing candy crush or whatever it is your sympathetic nervous system is automatically getting revved up. Your parasympathetic is located right at the base of your occiput and down at your sacrum. So if anybody out there has heard of like cranial sacral therapy, one of the reasons why cranial sacral therapy is so effective is it helps with parasympathetic stimulation by getting good uh, regulation of that occiput and high cervicals and, and, and good uh, fluid movement of, of the sacrum. Now, If you have bad posture or you have a structural imbalance and we look at the pelvis as being and the hind foot of being like really critical here, because if your hips are are out of alignment, I don't care who you are and what you do, you're going to do whatever it takes to get your eyes and ears back to level. But at what metabolic expense? 
So if your hips are way out of alignment, you're going to drop a shoulder, you're going to crank your head and neck, and you're going to adjust until your eyes and ears are back in level. But this is going to cause chronic headaches. This is going to cause jaw pain. This is going to cause shoulder pain. This is going to cause low back pain, all of these things, which all this tissue that's overworked is going to do what? Signal to the central nervous system that I'm not okay, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a catch-22. So part of the awareness and part of learning the tools is also about working on aligning the physical body. Because if the physical body is not aligned, you're, you have a lot bigger task to try to keep up with the regulation of the nervous system because you're just, you keep stimulating it in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Now, some of the practices for bringing the body back into balance um, for a while, when I was living in Florida, I would go get once a week, I would get these massages that were just, I mean, brutal. And I'd have to either take like a bunch of CBD or curcumin beforehand. One time I was even in there screaming and I have a pretty high pain tolerance, but I'd come out feeling like a lot of, a, a lot of the restrictions in my body had been opened up and my posture was more, my posture was lengthened. I felt more open. I felt like I was able to breathe more deeply, but it was intense. And, and over the years, I've, I've become a little familiar with scraping and like gua sha and some other ways of opening up the body. But I'm curious what, I mean, you've got, there's so many different types of massage and body work and myofascial release what do you believe to be like the gold standard and, and something that listeners can do themselves and also something that, you know, we can integrate into a weekly or a monthly practice where we can get someone else's help that actually knows what they're doing and is, has a track record of success in, in, in these disciplines to assist in that process. Yeah. Well, again, another, another great, great question and another big can of worms, but the, um, you know, the reality is that, you know, what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for everybody, right? So bioindividuality is an important thing. There's there's a term that mm-hmm. I teach to all of my therapists that we mentor um, that I steal from the music world. And and uh, there's, there's perfect mathematical harmonics, and it's called mean tone. And mean tone sounds terrible almost 100% of the time. So like a piano tuner, if they want a, a piano to actually sound good in the space, they have to tune it to temperament. And tuning to temperament takes into account all of the different factors, distortion in the room, you know, hydration of the wood, humidity, all of that kind of thing. So to start off, properly aligning a body and working with the body, it should be bio-individual and it should always be tuning to temperament. Some people may have experiences, either physical traumas or emotional traumas, that getting deep body work like that is going to send them into a tailspin and is going to set them way back, right? It's going to create new trauma that they have to process and recover from. It might be the exact wrong direction for some. Others might, you know, be evolved to a point where that's appropriate to go really deep into tissue and really challenge that tissue. And they have both the metabolic efficiencies and the dietary habits and the exercise habits to support recovering from that. Okay. And they're, and they're ready to like, you know, go for broke. That's fine. We look at it as very, very simple. You first want to establish a neutral spine, right? And in order to establish a neutral spine, you have to have a balanced pelvis. So we're always looking at trying to achieve relative symmetry of the hips and relative symmetry of the spine. There's a very simple exercise that um, one of our our websites that is a subscription for for patients or for individuals, um, it's it's called uh, SE Lab. Lab stands for Learn and Apply Balance. And um, the, the tool that we recommend to everybody is called the Traction Position. And this video lives outside of the pay, the paywall of the subscription. So it's our gift to everybody. Traction, three minutes a day, change your life. And you simply lay flat on your back with your knees bent and try to achieve a neutral pelvis. You then place your arms out to your sides, palms face up, so that you take the internal rotation out of your shoulders. By having your knees bent and your feet flat, you're taking the external rotation out of your out of your legs. You tuck your chin and you lay in this this position where your spine is being gently stretched and then you do deep diaphragmatic breathing for three minutes and when you do this you're getting a good sympathetic parasympathetic shift 
You're posturally minimizing the roundness of your thoracic spine. You're lengthening your neck. You're opening up that SI joint for the for that parasympathetic stimulation. You're decreasing the internal rotation of your shoulders, decreasing the external rotation of the hips, and it translates to improved posture. And so um, this is a place to start. Now, when people are on our tables, we're just doing this, you know, with an X factor, right? We're getting a second set of eyes on people. We're maybe doing you know, some dry needling or some acupuncture to release restricted tissue. We're doing uh, techniques called pin and strip where you hold that restricted area and take them through a passive range of motion to realign some of those fibers. Um, we're then maybe doing some gentle manipulations to correct the osteostructures to, you know, realign the joints. Uh, maybe some gentle spinal manipulations to restore motion to fix segments. And then we're teaching them exercises to help keep them in relative alignment. You know, we're also doing a, you know, an audit of what are the things that you're doing day to day that might be contributing. Like, you know, simple things like, oh, my neck's been killing me lately. Well, what's different? Well, I got bifocal lenses. Okay, well, now you're looking at the computer and you're kind of trying to line those lenses up with the words on the screen. Well, that's probably, you know, a lot of new change and, and it's contributing to your neck pain. You know, so when you audit some of these these lifestyle you know, changes of how people sleep and how they sit at their desk and how they you know position themselves in their car and, you know, uh, all this stuff matters, you know. And mm-hmm. but when you're aware that posture matters and you're aware that breath support is critical and you start to connect to that, you start to become educated and you find, Oh man, like I'm really not sitting in a great spot in my car. Oh, and I sleep, like I'm really driving, you know, that arm all the way across my body. No wonder my shoulder hurts. You know, you start to become mm-hmm. self-aware and it doesn't take the, the observer, right? Once you're self-aware, then you are empowered to, to make those changes and to find your way towards a balanced body. Nice. I dig it. And so that, that three minute morning traction position, your, your knees are bent, your arms are out externally rotated palms up. Are your feet on the floor or elevated? Feet are on the floor. floor. Yep. So your knees are bent, feet are on, feet the, are floor. on the floor. Yep. Palms Should face your up, arms at about contact with the floor. Angle. If they come in too close, your shoulders are going to okay. look forward. You know, if they're out too far, you're going to lose some of the, the traction benefit. Chin's tucked so the neck is nice mm-hmm. and long, and then deep diaphragmatic mm-hmm. breath. And what I mean by that is as you inhale, you're trying to blow up a balloon in your abdomen. So your belly's going towards the ceiling with the inhale and relaxing with the exhale. If somebody really wants to get crafty, you know, try to incorporate the, the 426 breathing at the same time as doing traction. You know, now now you're now mm-hmm. you're really getting fancy pants with it. Nice. I like it. And your your whole spine is in contact with the floor. There should you shouldn't be able to slide a hand underneath the spine. That, that's the goal. Is that that's accurate? The goal, but but once you have kind of taken the curve out of the spine and, and flattened the chin, you're to release any tension. So if you if your spine arches back up a little bit, you're gonna let gravity do the work. You're not holding the spine against the ground. Because then once you have that tension, you're gonna cut yourself off from your breath and and, and the fluidity, right? And that's that's gonna help again regulate that autonomic nervous system it's going to lengthen a ligament that's on the front of the spine called the anterior longitudinal ligament it's going to relax those hip flexors it's going to you know improve better diaphragmatic breathing um it's just again it's like a three-minute biohack that if you do it right knowing it is one thing doing it is another if you actually do it um it's life-changing what's up guys it's anthony here and i interrupt this broadcast because I just opened up the coolest package. It was uh, it was one of the first packages that arrived at our PO box, and it included a bottle of uh, CBD infused hydrating body lotion from it looks like American Shaman is the company. And I haven't tried it yet, so I can't necessarily vouch for it, but it looks pretty dope. Uh, a Liberty Lives sticker, a whole bunch of USA stickers, and uh, red, white, and blue, and Home of the Brave, and that sort of thing. A $75 gift card to Lowe's, which is pretty awesome, and a little note, cheers to making your own furniture. And then I've got a cool... Uh, envelope with a letter here that I haven't opened, but I will open on the air. And uh, if if it's 
cool with the author, um, share it with you guys. And you know, if, it, if there's a question or two on there that I could help with, be happy to do that. So, um, I love this. I absolutely love getting stuff in the mail and, uh, with all the digital censorship and everything that's been going on. It's, it's a great way for us to be able to stay in touch and open those lines of communication and just being real with you guys. I've been putting a ton of my resources into our North Carolina property. We had to buy an excavator. We have put in over a mile of roads into mountains at 3,500 feet that are filled with like thick, almost rainforest uh, topography. And now we're kind of getting to the point where I could build a home and I don't, I don't have a, you know, a couple million dollars in the bank, but I'm, you know, I'm comfortable. I live good. I have everything I need and I'm super, super blessed. Um, but if you guys feel compelled to contribute, if you feel that there has been a contribution to the value that you have received from the Biohacking Secrets Show, the Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus, our coaching program, anything that we've put out there, some of our videos, whatever it is, if it's uplifted your life physically, mentally, spiritually, and you feel that the value that you have received exceeds the value that you've given um, and you have the means to do so, I'd love to open up uh, an opportunity for you to send in a donation that will go towards me building my house in North Carolina. And cash is amazing. Silver from Gainesville Coins is amazing. And really anything that you feel called to share. And if you're not in a position to share, obviously, like I'm not... I'm not trying to put you in a situation at all. That's not the purpose here. It's only if if there's abundance in your life, if you feel that the value that you've received from the things that we've put out exceeds the value that you've given, then uh, you can send in some something cool along with a handwritten letter to P.O. Box 7151, Deerfield, Illinois, 60015. That's P.O. Box 7151, Deerfield, one word, Illinois, 60015. And uh, if you do do so, like, yes, silver from Gainesville Coins is amazing. Yes, cash is amazing. And I can use those things to help build a house in North Carolina. Oh, and a super dope biohacking gym that, uh, you know, yeah, there's a lot that we're going to do with that, with our events and with our coaching program and everything that you guys will see. But I got to build a biohacking gym and a home. And that's what your donations would be going towards. Um, But if you do do that, please include a handwritten letter. Share a little bit of your story, some of the ways that your life has changed or improved. If you have any questions, you can include one or two of those in the letter and I will answer them on the air. And I think it's an awesome way for us to stay connected, stay in touch, avoid some of the online censorship. And uh, and you guys could help me build my house and biohacking, biohacker gym. It'd be amazing. It's a win-win for everybody. So yes, appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening and being part of this journey. Much love to you. And now without further ado, let's get back to the episode. I'm reading this book. I'm, well, I'm going through the book. It's, it's very interactive by Jack Hagee called Running with the Whole Body. Mm. And some of the different exercises that he teaches are similar to that where you have your knees bent and you're, you know, you're lengthening the spine and not straining the body in any right. way, but in, instead just, you know, awakening the fascia and slightly improving your mobility and biomechanics with the, these repetitive but non-stressful movements and then yeah, you totally. work on integrating those into into your running well, yeah, on the performance um, side of things you know we've kind of talked about you know the disease side and the stress side and you know but then there's a whole other side of the equation which is like not just being not sick right and not having metabolic syndromes and all of that but then like 
what happens when you start really dialing this stuff in? Then there's all the performance mm-hmm. benefits of what's possible of human performance, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really where I get to start to geek out on stuff, right? Is how do we manipulate right. these things to, you know, I have one of my buddies, he, He's a crazy runner. Um, his name is Harvey Lewis. And, um, you know, he's done Badwater this year will be his 11th Badwater. And, um, you know, I, I sponsored Whoa. him and crewed him, you know, for his first attempt out there. And he's won the race a couple times and he's a nut job. But he did this race um, last year called the Bigs Backyard Ultra. And the format of that is it's a, like a 4.1 mile loop and it starts at the top of every hour. All right. So you have to finish the loop and, and, you know, in, in an hour. And if you finish it in 15 minutes or 50 minutes, you've got 10 minutes to, to rest. And then the next loop starts, mm. right? He went 85 laps, 350, oh. you know, six miles in two and a half days of straight running, you know, Holy with no God. significant break at a sub 15 minute pace, you know, at, at, at minimum. And it's like, that can't be possible. Wait a minute. I didn't hear that right. You know, you can't run. 356 consecutive miles over 85 hours. Like, how is that possible? Right. Well, he has trained his system to be so efficient and to repair on the go. Whereas most people would run a marathon, they need, you know, a month to repair from it. Right. He's repairing Mm -hmm. as he's going and he's extremely diligent about diet. He's very, very committed to meditation and to, you know, finding renewal from the environment around him and all these, you know, techniques that he's figured out. And that's Mm -hmm. the only reason that he can do this is because he's mastered some of the communication with his body in these systems. But like, Mm -hmm. that's phenomenal. You know, that's just like the fact that the body can do that given the right adaptation is, is mind blowing. Yeah. I'm, I'm equally impressed with, I mean, I look at, mixed martial arts as one of the highest levels totally. human beings can compete. I mean, so yeah. much stress, so such consequences, you know, that, are, that are on the line. Yeah. Right. And, um, and you notice the fighters who are really good are in many cases, the most relaxed. Totally. And, and sometimes it's even boring to listen to them because they're so chilled out and they only really turn it on for brief moments during yep. the fight. And then it's like back to chilled out. You know, True. it's 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 almost like a lot of us are running tense and tight and wasting all this energy that could otherwise go to recovery and regeneration. Whereas oh. at the top of the game, guys like Harvey Lewis and these fighters, they're like, nothing's getting wasted it's all it's all going to to the repair and the regeneration yeah and my own growth and performance and what's what's crazy about it man is is like my definition of balance is not being able to stand on one foot right my definition of balance is that your stress response meets the demand of your situation that it matches right so Mm -hmm. somebody's trying to kick you in the head Right. It is very appropriate to have a heightened stress response where, you know, adrenaline is flying high, where your tissues are stiff and ready to, you know, to get hit and to hit back. But when you're not Mm -hmm. in that situation anymore and you're in a low demand situation, you have to get that nervous system to downregulate and get and start recovering. If you stay in that high stress state, like, oh, man, this next fight's coming and, oh, man, this guy's bigger than me and he's faster than me and all this stuff. If you stay in that high stress situation, that becomes chronic. And and so many people, they don't even realize it. They go from one thing to another. And you think balance is about, you know, working the same number of hours that, you know, you spend with family and you play and, you know, that, that, that that's a time management tool. It's not. Balance should be while you're at work. Balance should be while you're with the family. Balance should be while you're in sport. And and in order to do that, it's about matching the demand of your situation. So another example I give of this is like NCAA, you know, the tournament, you know, uh, was was, you know, a couple months ago here. And, you know, if you're at the free throw line with two seconds left on the game clock and it's the balls in your hand to make the game winning shot. You're not going to go sit at half court and meditate, mm. right? That's ridiculous. You know, you have to balance in a second and you watch, mm. you know, you watch a basketball player. They have a ritual to do it. You know, they, they, they dribble the ball three times, you know, they hold the ball, 
you know, they, they squat down a couple of times and then they center themselves with the breath. They find center and then they know where to shoot from, from there. Right. But that is mm-hmm. the art of mastery of being able to find balance in real time. And you have to find that balance in real time. But when you're not at the free throw line with two seconds left on the game clock, if you're still stressed out, like, like that's your reality, it's going to eat you alive and it's going to do it fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it seems like one of the most common objections that comes up from a lot of people with mindfulness practices like meditation or even some forms of breath work is that, Oh, well, my, I'm all over the place. I can't do it. And, you know, I've, I've, I've dabbled, but I'm just not good at meditation. Do you feel like you can adequately and, and effectively manage this stuff in real time if you don't have a regular mindfulness practice where you're developing that mind-body awareness and that connection between between the nervous system and the breath and you know the, the, the amount no, of, you need of acute and yeah you, you need you i need, think so too you need tools <laughs> you need tools but yeah i think where 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 i think there's been a little bit of a misconception or misrepresentation is those tools don't have to take a lot of time, right? So, okay, the idea of like, okay, I should meditate an hour a day. Well, now it's, it's just calendar crowding. Oh, where am I going to find an hour to do that? Mm-hmm. I'm already too busy to get everything else done. Now you want me to do that too. Yeah. Now I'm just going to feel guilty because I'm not doing it. And this is another thing I'm not getting to. And now it's just going to snowball. The other thing is most people, they, they are not physically conditioned to sit still. You think, Mm -hmm. well, uh, sitting still, I mean, that's easy, right? No, like sitting still requires strength and mobility and adaptation. So if you try to sit on a cushion, I went to a Buddhist college, okay? And it was like not until like my second year sometime that I realized that meditation was something more than toughness training. I think I thought the point of meditation was to sit still despite the fact that I was in pain and learn to endure pain. Then I realized, no, 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 Mm. it has nothing to do with that. Right. And as I started, you know, improving my posture and doing a little bit of yoga to open up my hips so I could actually, you know, achieve a fairly neutral position on the cushion. And I started to really learn how to manipulate my breath to relax my body. Then I realized that there's actually spaciousness in meditation. That it's not just me screaming, like, mm-hmm. how much longer? How many more minutes? How many minutes? Don't move. Don't move. Mm-hmm. Don't scratch that itch on your nose. You know, like, somebody's going to see you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it was the total wrong direction, mm-hmm. you know? And that's why the yeah. traction exercise takes three minutes a day. It's done laying flat on your back, which most people can do very comfortably. If you can't, add a little bit of height underneath your head or add, you know, a little couple pillows underneath your wrists so that your shoulders are protected. And get into a comfortable position where you can take advantage of the benefit of meditation, which is down regulation of your stress response. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. I love it. And, and, and then that did exemplify the importance of having a practice, even if it's short, you know, like today I did two 10 minute meditations. That was it. One was a little bit earlier. One was a little bit later in the day, break them up and whatever, you know, something's better than nothing. Kind of one of those. And I'm going to try, I'm going to try that traction exercise that, that you mentioned. Did we adequately cover all of the, or at least some of the key biohacks for like recovering and performance? And, um, cause you, you mentioned back there. Cause we kind of, we kind of glossed over a little bit. You brought up a number of things like different types of tissue work and, you know, foam rollers and, and, you know, like, like people are like, there's tools out there called like the fascia blaster and, you know, all this stuff that, you know, the idea that cross balls and yeah, you know, the idea that you have to dig and go deep and that it's painful again, this is all telling your nervous system that you're not okay. And you're not going to get the relaxation so, um, foam roller is a great tool. A lacrosse ball is fine. You know, a tool that digs into the front of your hips, fine. But it should be at a threshold that allows you to soften and breathe into it, not hold your breath and, and pull away. And so, you're much better to benefit less pressure. And while, you know, like for instance, if your calf is on the foam roller, right? 
instead of rolling back and forth and going over speed bumps in the calf, which is going to do next to nothing other than tighten you up and cause discomfort, you should find a spot that's like of interest, like, okay, well, that's a little tender, right? You should back off to soften into it, apply a little bit of pressure with the other leg so that you can spread that tissue out and then go through a very gentle active range of motion of dorsiflexion and circumduction. Um, think about combing your hair, okay, or brushing your hair. You want to organize those fascial fibers with the healthy tissue around it. When you've run and you've lift weights and you've, you know, even, you know, been typing and things like that, you've told your body that you need more collagen, that you need to lay down denser tissue, which is a good thing. It's how we get stronger. But the body does not lay those down in any logical pattern. It lays down new collagen fibers in cross patterns. It just lays it down, right? Just trying to plug the hole, add some tissue. The benefit of adding that tissue down is organizing it, organizing it along the lines of function. And so when we go on a lacrosse ball or on a roller or use a scraping tool or anything else, we should be organizing those fibers in the same direction as the healthy fibers around them. You know, other than the 80s when, you know, maybe you tease out some bangs or, you know, get, you know, big, you know, heavy metal hair or something like that. You know, mm -hmm. you don't really think about taking a brush and just, you know, blasting it around everywhere. And that's what a lot of people do with the lacrosse ball. And all they do is create new tears. Mm -hmm. They stimulate the inflammatory process and oftentimes don't benefit from the recovery because they've just in, in efforts to recover from the event they've now just created more inflammation and that can oftentimes lead to you know too much collagen production and adhesive tissue that starts to form interesting um, so slow and easy is the name of the game mm -hmm. i i i'd start talking about harvey in terms of performance but one of the things that you know you're talking about with your martial arts uh, guys and with the, the the running techniques and stuff like that one of the properties of healthy fascia is something called visoelasticity. Visoelasticity is the ability for the tissue to deform and return back to its original position. And visoelasticity, mm -hmm. like if you hold your hand against your chest and you try to thump your middle finger against your chest, there's no power there, right? But if you pull that finger back and let it spring, there's tons of power, okay? And that power mm -hmm. can be found as passive energy that exists all over the body. So when we stretch our Achilles tendon while we're jumping rope, there's passive energy where we can store energy in that Achilles and return that energy in terms of movement potential. When we're running, mm -hmm. we get a big stretch to the, the, the hip flexor tendon, and that allows that tendon to snap back. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that's not muscular effort. And if we time the loading and the retrieval of that energy, it's free energy. We turn into like perpetual motion machines. But mm -hmm. when we run at too slow of a cadence or we're running at too high of a cadence, we're now defaulting into muscular power and muscular energy of our prime movers. And we have to feed that. that that's expensive. Energy. Or, or when, our, when our upper body is frozen and not working in unison with the lower body. All, all of it. Yeah. When, when we have inefficiencies yeah. to our mechanics. We are metabolically, you know, it's expensive, right? We talk mm -hmm. about the economy of, you know, fuel economy and things like that, right? If you're driving, mm -hmm. you know, 90 miles an hour and then slamming on the brakes and then 90 miles an hour and slamming on the brakes, right? You're going to consume a lot more fuel, you know, and, and a lot of people, you know, that's kind of how they go about their training right? Mm -hmm. Is they're, they're going hard all the time until they shut down, you know, and there's, there, there has to be, you know, uh, consciousness of maximizing your economy. Yeah, definitely. And, and the theme here with, with so many of these biohacks and performance tools that we're discussing, they're, they're done reg at regular intervals, small, but, but, but frequently, but frequent. And absolutely. Yeah, small but frequent. Perhaps you can integrate that into or discuss like our current healthcare system. Because, I mean, we've got a system right now where it's kind of like wait until something breaks yeah. and then <laughs> go in for some sort of surgery or, you know, take a pill. And, well, and we're sort of discussing the complete opposite of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I work in orthopedics, right? So I'm working with a lot of, you know, people who come into me because of hip pain, back pain, knee pain, whatever. And a lot of their doctors, you know, say, well, you're not ready for a knee replacement yet. 
right? So come back and see me when this thing's like gone. And they're like, but there's a bunch of stuff that I want to do. You know, I want to golf. I want to, I want to go for walks on the beach and I've worked hard. I I just, you know, I want to get out on the golf course. I want to be able to play with my grandkids. How do I do that? You know, and there's no real focus on prevention and, and on, you know, what is orthopedic wellness, right? That's, that's kind of an oxymoron Mm -hmm. almost in our medical system, you know, and that's what we call our clinics, orthopedic wellness clinics, right? Is, is what is a, a, a you don't hear those two words together too often. No, like never. Right. So, you know, it's like, (laughs) we don't make it easy on people. They look at us and like, what are you, you know, like, (laughs) what do you do? But a lot of it is, is prevention, right. By maintaining balance, Mm -hmm. By maintaining good stress regulation, by minimizing the mechanical stress that's on a joint from an imbalance, that joint, you know, if you have a a hundred year old house with a door that was hung properly, that door is going to open and close perfectly for a hundred years. If you back a couple of screws out of that hinge and it's loaded a little funky, you're going to slam that door once and it's going to fall off the hinges, right? It's all about Mm -hmm. looking at the body before there's degeneration. It's all about looking at the body and Mm -hmm. quantifying mechanical stress. You would never let cars start driving across a newly constructed bridge before bringing engineers in. You don't want to go, oh, that failed. (laughs) I guess you got to get, you know, the boat and pull people out of the the river, you know. No, you bring in engineers and you say, can this bridge hold the weight of this amount of traffic, right? You have to quantify it. So at structural elements, we're body engineers. That's what we do. We quantify that mechanical stress. We look for where there's inefficiencies and we fix it before it becomes problematic. And, and if we adopted that type of approach to orthopedic medicine in this country, the cost savings would be astronomical. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the quality of life for individuals would go through the roof. And guess what? At the end of life, what happens first is people fail, you know, usually in terms of their mechanics, and then they stop being active and then their systems start to go south, you know, with, with, with mm-hmm. certainly exceptions, but the vast majority of people follow that path. You know, you hear how many times, oh, my grandpa was super healthy, walked all the time, fell, broke a hip, and then it was it was it was a quick, you know, decline from there. So right. maintaining, you know, our ability to remain ambulatory and mobile is 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 critical for quality of life and keeping the other systems systems healthy. Absolutely. And so a lot of the people that that work with you guys, they're dealing with hip pain, back pain, knee pain. That's that's at least what what gets them off the couch and in the office initially. And we always establish an active goal with every patient. So, okay, you have knee pain. So if you didn't have this knee pain, what would you like to be doing? Right. Well, I'd love to play Mm -hmm. tennis again. Great. Let's focus on getting you back on the tennis court. So we go right Mm -hmm. past the knee pain being being the focus. And we say, like, how, what are all the things that are going to get you back on the court and help you enjoy that experience, right? And so when we start to really focus on the active goal, then people, like, forget about their knee pain, and now they're talking about wanting more power on their serve, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. that's the good stuff, you know, when we get into the performance. That's, that's, that's where the juice is. Yeah, I like that. And then, and do you guys, t- at structuralelements.com, do you guys teach, are there exercises for training the fascial system yeah. to to be more explosive faster more powerful those sorts of things totally so um the the, the patient facing site that has information on it's a subscription it's 11 bucks a month or 111 dollars a year um we give away a subscription for everyone that's paid because we believe everybody deserves access to, to, to quality information um but that has it's broken down into like multiple sections i mean it has stuff about nutrition on there for how to, you know, control inflammation. It has, you know, like posture basics, posture 101, you know, the different relationships to pay attention to. And then it has like, you know, rescue moves for the pelvis. If you, if you know your pelvis is out of alignment or you're getting some low back pain or things like that, it's got all sorts of different joint specific Mm -hmm. stuff, you know, so if you're getting knee pain, shoulder pain, hip pain, it goes through the strengthening and lengthening exercises. But then we talk about how to properly use a foam roller, how to use mobility sticks to gain leverage, you know, and, and increase range of motion. Um, a ton about breath support. We go into Pilates stuff, somatic practice. It's like pretty robust, man. I mean, you know, considering, a, you know, I, I tip the, you know, the, the, 
the kid at the golf course, you know, when I'm done with my round, you know, more than that on a regular basis, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, when you, when you talk about, you know, investing in yourself and the return on investment, you know, some of these simple tools and techniques that only take a couple minutes a day that don't require you to, you know, drive to therapy and miss a bunch of work and all this stuff, but just to incorporate mm-hmm. some of these little preventative things that set the body up to heal itself. Um, you know, it's a great resource. Awesome. And that's at structuralelements.com. You can get to it from there, but specifically it's, it's lab, L-A-B dot structuralelements.com um, is the direct landing page that'll arrive you at SE Lab. And again, SE Lab stands for learn and apply balance, right? And the thesis is that when we learn awareness and we apply the right tools at the right time, we find balance. I dig it. Doug Bertrand, where can people outside of lab.structuralelements.com or just going to structuralelements.com, where else can people keep up to date with cool things you're working on and anything else that, that you want to share with our audience now yeah, before well, we land um, this plane? I mean, I love, I love doing the podcasts and, you know, and, and at, at structuralelements.com, we, we list, you know, other podcasts that I'm on and stuff. We'll, we'll definitely, um, you know, push out to all of our social channels and stuff when, when, when this lands. Um, you know, we do maintain a blog. There's some great articles on the blog. Um, we do have three clinics, you know, two in Maryland and, and one in, in, in Wisconsin, which is uh, where I practiced early on. And we've got a great team of therapists out there. Um, and Where's we also Wisconsin? are building uh, on our site. You can also uh, find a SE provider that's not in one of our clinics. We call them network providers. And it's a training program that we offer to therapists that allow them to fly the flag and, and call themselves SE network providers. And so we also have providers that have learned this work that aren't in our brick and mortar clinics. So that, that, you know, is available to you as well. Um, and this, this isn't, this isn't a plug from a sales standpoint at all, but that's a, that's a, that's a bi-directional, you know, thing where if somebody doesn't see a provider listed in their area, but would like a provider to be aware of what we're doing at structural elements, tell your providers, right? If you have a good PT or a chiro right. or a massage therapist, they're an athletic trainer that you think is, you know, a great therapist, but you're like, man, I don't think you do all of this. You should check out structural elements. Um, you know, that's how, you know, you can, you can help get that care accessible in your area as well. A hundred percent. And for all of the, the people listening that are health practitioners and do body work in some capacity, perhaps they want to reach out to you about, you know, deepening their toolkit. Totally. Become a network provider. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, again, super low barrier to entry um, and, and tons of resources, man. Everything from practice management tools, you know, your chart of accounts on QuickBooks to, you know, hiring you know, job descriptions for your desk staff and all kinds of resources on there. And so we're, we, we bring it back to one thing and one thing only is we want to make quality care accessible to as many people as possible. And that's our core mission. Mm-hmm. And so we put a bunch of tools in, in place to, to help facilitate that. But again, the takeaway is it doesn't have to take a lot of time. You know, I, I say frequency is much better than duration. You know, doing something often mm-hmm. is much better than doing it infrequently for a long time. And, uh, and that becomes habit forming much quicker. And, you know, the more times you catch yourself and tell yourself to sit up straight throughout the day, it only takes a split second, but it makes a huge impact over the course of days and weeks. Yeah. And it's just like at the gym, you know, any, anyone that has big biceps has probably put in thousands and thousands oh, yeah. and thousands of reps totally. for us to think that that we can reap the benefits posturally in terms of, you know, our, our the health of our fascia and our biomechanics just with a couple reps. It's 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 insanity right it's you gotta insane. you gotta put in the reps yeah you gotta put in the reps and it's, it's all, all right about, brother you know, well done good habits and good habits start to crowd out bad habits and all of a sudden you've got momentum and before you know it you're not worried about what used to hold you back you're worried about how far you can go heck yeah well douglas bertram thank you for joining us on the biohacking secret show i've enjoyed our conversation and uh, yeah thanks for doing this yeah it's a pleasure man it was a good chat 